0: more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 498 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The early careers labour market is evolving. The pandemic severely impacted internships Hybrid working is changing graduate recruitment, and many employers are reviewing their entry requirements to cast a broader net for talent. My guest this week is Dr. Charlie Ball, Head of Labour Market Intelligence at JISC. Charlie is one of the UK's leading experts on graduate employment, with deep insights to share on current market trends that are applicable globally. A must listen for anyone involved with interns graduates and college recruiting. Hi Charlie and welcome to the podcast. Hello Matt, nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do. Well I'm Dr Charlie
1: Ball and I'm the head of labour market intelligence at JISC. JISC is the large organisation, not-for-profit organisation within the higher education sector that looks after services and uh support for students and and practice and it's a digital organization for the sector um and i'm the
0: labor market expert there tell us a little bit more about what that entails well
1: essentially my role is to do a lot of the primary research or to lead a lot of the primary research that underpins a lot of the practice of the uk's higher education career services now as you know as some of our many analysts know know the um the uh, higher education system in the UK has a very strong and very well integrated um, career service system. Um, all institutions have some kind of careers service. They rely on basic information about the graduate labour market in order to be able to operate. And my role is to oversee the production of that basic information that uh, HE Career Services use. And also to an extent colleges, and essentially, anybody else who wants to know about the employment of graduates, um, and the list of stakeholders there is quite long.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um, including lots of people who are listening, who are listening right now. Really keen to start to sort of digging into some of the things that you're sort of seeing in 2023, and some of the things that might happen. Before we do though, it's probably worth just having a little bit of a look into. How graduate recruitment and, and the labour market for it has sort of evolved over the last two or three years with the pandemic and everything. What trends have we been seeing? What's changed? What's the what was the state of the market going into twenty twenty
1: three? It's a very interesting question, Matt. Um, in order to answer it effectively, I'm going to overjoy your listeners by taking us back to twenty twenty and the start of the pandemic because I think we all want to relive that period. Um, and. So what first happened is, if you think, in fact, it was around three years ago in the UK, certainly that it was that it became clear that all was not well. And I remember being at Euston Station in early February, twenty twenty, having just delivered a, a keynote speech at a conference, um, and it was on the BBC News that um, a large conference, which had taken place at Earl's Court, which had been att- attended by a number of MPs. Um, a number of people there had been attested positive for COVID and were being forced to isolate. Um, And it it, it was starting to really strike home with the UK public that this was something that was going to be a bit out of the ordinary. Um, By March 2020, March 2020 was the first lockdowns for the UK. But what actually happened in practical terms for the labour market was in about a fortnight, um, the whole of the UK economy shut down. But it didn't shut, but it didn't shut uh, in in physical terms. It didn't shut down um, entirely. Everybody went to their um, untested virtual solutions. um, And we started using conference programs and homeworking in a big way. And I think the tacit fear was that these systems were not going to hold. um, And that as a consequence, business would be phenomenally disrupted. um, And we would see widespread hardship and business failure and unemployment, what actually happened is the system's held um, and particularly for professional workers and now we're going to move into the graduate labour market here and I acknowledge that many elements of the graduate labour market are very different to um, other parts of the UK employment experience Um, and in particular much of the graduate labour market was well suited to virtual working so um, the large numbers of of, um, professional workers in IT, in professional services, um, in office and desk jobs, Um, it turned out that they were able to transition and their businesses were able to transition to virtual working um, and hybrid working very, very effectively, Um, far more effectively, it, it beat out all of the most optimistic case scenarios. So March um in april 2020 is when you would start to see budgets being set for things like work experience or budgets being spent for things like work experience and apprenticeships um so those were hit very badly and um, work experience and apprenticeships in particular pretty much vanished from the market overnight but graduate training schemes the money had already been spent and in many cases the recruitment had already been done um uh, for summer 2020 um We did hear quite a few stories of offers being rescinded, but by and large, quite a lot of graduate labour market activity for graduates who were leaving in the summer had already started. Um, And as the summer went on the furlough scheme, which we must remind ourselves in the UK certainly was very effective, preserved many jobs. At the start of the outset, there were respected labour market economists saying that by autumn 2020, we might be seeing four to five million people out of work an absolutely phenomenal number. Um, and the furlough scheme was originally intended to only last until September 2020. And after that, the, the out, outlook for, particularly for small businesses, looked very, very bleak. Of course, in the event, because of that bleak outlook, the furlough scheme was extended. Um, at the outset of the pandemic, the World Health Organization told us it might take t- 18 months to get a vaccine. Um, in the end, the lead time to a vaccine was substantially shorter. Um, And so by autumn 2020, it was clear that virtual working was more effective than people believed, and productivity was up. In fact, in some cases, worker satisfaction was up. We had a vaccine on the way, um, and mass unemployment hadn't taken place. And so by autumn 2020, it was starting to become clear, and I was having quite a lot of conversations, uh, starting to become clear that, um, if anything, many graduate businesses particularly those that had successfully switched along with their clients to hybrid working, may, if anything, had under-recruited during the pandemic itself, the main parts of the pandemic. We then fast forward to the recruitment season for 2021, early to late spring. In May 2021 was when all the remaining restrictions were lifted in the UK on movements, and everybody tried to recruit at once. And the recruitment market went absolutely mad. Um, and that's when we started to see all the big headlines in the UK. They've been bubbling under in the in the in the trade. And we were already getting really quite concerned in late twenty twenty and early twenty twenty one about um shortages in health, education, social care, IT, engineering. Um and the other thing that happened is towards the end of the pandemic, is we started to get to a situation where we have more vacancies than unemployed people in the UK. And that's now become the status quo. So to cut a long story short, the pandemic did not have the effect on the graduate labor market that I think the large majority of people predicted. It didn't wreck the labor market for graduates. It did cause some problems in terms of ability to access work experience, but those graduates who graduated during the pandemic, actually, and we've now got the data for their first destinations 15 months after graduating, the graduates who graduated during the pandemic actually um, saw very little or seem to have seen very little um, short to medium term scarring of their labor mar- of their labor market prospects and the main effect has been um, that now and, and this is still very very profound that now still 80% of the IT workforce, 70% of the professional services workforce is now working in a hybrid way have been working in a hybrid way for um, three years now we can assume that's embedded and that has been the main change for graduates. Of the pandemic, the fact that um, hybrid working is now um, the business model for large parts of the jobs market, large parts of the professional jobs market, many, possibly most, it's difficult to get put an exact figure on it, but it's certainly a large proportion of graduates um, will now work in a hybrid way in the future, and most people who are working in a hybrid way in the UK at least have degrees, and I think that is a an under appreciated distinction hybrid working is basically for graduates
0: before we sort of move forward into 2023 just a, i suppose a couple of things to, to 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 kind of ask you about about that um firstly obviously the the lack of um people getting work experience and internships um you know back in 2020 2021 do you think that will have a material effect down the line i think the whole work experience training um,
1: question is a really, really interesting one um, because um, if you're a, if you're a company that's now working on a hybrid model, delivering training, delivering work experience and apprenticeships, particularly accredited ones and particularly ones that require an assessment, um, it's now a different challenge. And I think it's one that business doesn't yet feel it's completely met. So we have this situation where businesses have not brought back work experience to quite the extent, because particularly, you know, if you're offering, say if you're offering an apprenticeship um, that's got an accredited portion at the end, in order to do that, you need people in the office all the time, and you need someone to assess the work that your your apprentice is doing. And there are challenges to that, um, that I think industry has not come to a consensus on how to meet. That's very interesting from my point of view as a specialist in employment and i do think there is a great prize to be won by any organizations sectors or individuals who solve those problems to industry satisfaction because to be to be candid i think there is there are new business models emerging in delivering and assessing training work experience um, and and even basic functions like hr because of course um, your average HR, particularly uh, your 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 standard HR models, do assume essentially, you know, if you've got an employee who's under who's who's struggling at work, for example, your colleagues will notice that, and you can have a quiet word. Is is the is the first process, but in a virtual environment, that's very different, and that's that's why some of the um, issues to do with well-being and, and and mental health have started to to come up. Um, and I think there are a lot of implications in those lines that have yet to be worked out. So the work experience model and the way that work experience is delivered is still, I think we're still going to be as a society, and particularly in terms of the way that we look at work, ex- uh, 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 expectations for people to have certain kinds of work experience. I think it'll take a few years before that settles down. A
0: quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W O N O L O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on demand, seasonal, short term and long term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's wwww o l o dot com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers if graduate work is mostly becoming hybrid or perhaps even remote what effect does that have on kind of location mobility in terms of where people you know where people work
1: and um, this is from my point of view from my own research interests you're right this this is this is a particular interest to me um, I've worked for a long time um, on questions of less developed areas, remote, peripheral, rural locations, um, and the way that you furnish a professional job market or, or the way that graduates move around between locations. And hybrid working throws an entirely new factor into the mix because, of course, you may be your your work or your business may be based in one location, but you might be in another my optimistic hope is that this will democratize to an extent some of those some of those questions so for example in the uk and in many parts of the developed world um you know this is an issue particularly in the us with its with its wide geographies and large large amounts of rural location you have this flight of skilled workers away from smaller towns and rural areas to the cities where the jobs are and they take their spending power with them they take their economic and social power with them but now if you're um, say a worker from rural north yorkshire um you may no longer need to relocate to leeds or london in order to pursue your career you may be able to base yourself in you may be able to continue to be based in in a in a location that's got a lower cost of living or has lifestyle features that you like, um, and then continue to work, um, uh, and, and, and get and, and get roles that were previously concentrated in the cities. And that's my optimistic reading of the situation. And that we may see, for example, changes in we may see younger people more easily able to access the housing market because they will be able to get decent jobs and be based in parts of the world that are cheaper to live in, less fashionable um more remote um my worry is however that it will it will also fuel house price imp- uh, inflation in places like coastal areas um where you know everybody all wants to work, work at the beach or in or in the hills or in the countryside so there is a danger that it may also accelerate hollowing out of 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 less fashionable urban areas and i think fundamentally it remains to be seen how this will work. But it, I do think that um, I'm basically going to have to start again on a lot of the work that I've done um, because I'm not sure how, how uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people who's done 20, 20 years of work on a particular topic and found the pandemic has thrown that all up into the air. <laughs>
0: Personally,
1: Personally yeah. I quite relish that. I enjoyed doing that work and I don't mind doing it again. <laughs> but I, you know, uh, I appreciate some of the old ways of thinking about the link between person place and employment may not hold for many workers I mean obviously if you're a nurse you're still going to go work in hospital but if you're an it worker um, the whole of the UK and indeed international is theoretically open to you and and that will that will change things in ways that we can't foresee yet
0: I suppose moving on to the the you know the current sort of state of the economy in 2023, I was reading through the predictions you were making about the the the, the market for the next 12 months, and one of the things that you you say is that we're not going to see the 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 type of graduate labour market that we normally get in a recession. Can you can you explain what you mean by that and what what you're seeing happening?
1: Well, I mean normally you will see the graduate labour market. Um, suffer during recession it's all it's worth stressing that the the labor market for graduates always suffers the least of all the labor markets that's the first thing most qualified there isn't a situation despite some popular discourse um about you know people being overqualified for jobs. there isn't a situation where people with better qualifications and credentials fare worse than people without them but in general what you would ordinarily see in a recession um, by this point in a recession, is you would you would have seen in advance the recession happening because um, recessions are rarely a surprise; they rarely come come come, come by surprise, rarely, particularly to biz- recruiting businesses. So you'd have seen a drop in business confidence for about twelve to eighteen months before the recession happened. Reduced investment, which includes um, uh, includes hiring, it's, it's more usually on things like R and D and 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 equipment and plant and location spend, but it, it'll also be on on hiring, and you'd also you'd already start uh, started to see a gentle drop off in employment for graduates, which would then, as the recession kicked in, be um, be then followed by a a sharp drop off, and particularly in areas that are re- reliant on large upfront spend. So you would see, for example, the engineers usually start to um, see a downturn in their normally excellent graduate prospects early because. They often, you know, you have your engineering project needs quite a lot of upfront overhead to to kick in. So a, a very good um, two two very good canaries in the coal mine, if you like, for the graduate labour market is the first thing is the IT contractor market. So you look at IT recruitment firms, um, and when they start to report significantly reduced billing and reduce placements. That's usually a sign that difficult labor market times are on the way. And the other thing is you look at engineers and particularly civil engineers, and when they start to get laid off in large numbers or their prospects start to diminish, that's a sign that the construction and infrastructure market is gonna take a bath. And that's usually a a key leading indicator of a labor market recession. Neither of those those things have happened this time. So this is, um, or have happened so far, I should say, so, what recession? We, we we like to have a recession. Uh, we like in a recession or have one coming, um, but um, it's not behaving in the ways that you would normally associate with a normal graduate labour market. So, at present, the graduate jobs market is defying gravity a little bit.
0: One of the other things that we've been seeing, you know, over the last few years, but it seems to be coming more of a trend is employers dropping their entry requirements you know either dropping the, the the need to have a degree completely or lowering um, you know the, the the class of degree that they're that they're looking for. What's driving this and do you think that it's a it's a long-term trend?
1: I do think it's a long-term trend what's driving it is simply is, is simple a candidate avail- availability or rather the increasing concern from recruiters from hiring managers that are missing talented people. Um, which, which of course they have been. Um, there's the realization that, um, degree grade is linked to other factors than sheer ability. Um, certain demographic groups are more likely, um, notwithstanding any other factors to get two ones. Um, and they're all the, the people who experience advantage in the first place um, and all the people who are generally overrepresented in professional firms. Anyhow, and the other factor is to be honest, most graduates get two ones. So filtering for them is sometimes more effort than it's worth. You don't actually filter out that many people, and some of those people you filter out might have other qualities that um, will be valuable to your business and and um, which your business is underrepresented. In. So you know, um, people who've done a lot of extracurricular work, people who have. Done a lot of actual um, employment, um, and people from non-traditional backgrounds are all are all more likely to get, uh, or we're all more likely to get two twos, um, and but they all bring something useful to businesses. So I do think this is this is a trend. But of course, it wouldn't be so much of a trend if we didn't have widespread candidate shortage in a lot of areas. So fundamentally, that's what's driving it. We don't have enough. candidates for tech roles, we don't have enough candidates in large parts of education, health and social care, we don't have enough candidates in large parts of professional services, and so fundamentally, um, hiring managers do want to broaden out their talent pool with, a, with, a, with a, the least possible risk to quality, um, and dropping the 2-1 requirement seems to be an effective way of doing that
0: there are lots of very disruptive things happening here. We've got hybrid working affecting the geographical mobility. We've got demand holding up in a recession. And the third thing that we were talking about was obviously people re-evaluating their kind of entry requirements for these roles. So lots of very disruptive things. Now, as we know from the last few years, it's impossible to predict the future. But I'd love to get your view on where you think we're going in terms of you know early careers and graduate recruitment and what things might look like in say five years time
1: i think that's a, that's a very good question and so i will preface that um is i am an expert in this area and much of what i say when i predict the future will be wrong however i don't think it will be very wrong so you can your, your listeners can take that as uh, as it's uh, as they as they as they see fit but my my um my definition of an expert is somebody who will admit that they don't know. Um, so, you know, we can't be entirely sure. My experiences of working in this area is actually things change a little less than and, and generally, as long as we don't have a worldwide pandemic that forces everybody to go virtual within a month. Things generally change less and a slower pace than expected. So if I'll be honest, I'd say, in, I'd say that a hiring manager... Looking at uh, who got into a, managed to get a a wormhole to hire early careers hiring in five years' time would probably see much that most of it they would recognize and most of the landscape would be familiar to them. I don't think it would change out of all recognition, but I think where the biggest changes will be, will be innovations that make use of rather than work around this hybrid paradigm. So um, we'll see innovations, we'll see we'll see further innovations in, in recruitment and hiring that make use of the ability to leverage hybrid technology and hybrid working. Um, we'll see, as I say, things like training, work experience, apprenticeships, and, and general HR and employee support are um, issues in search of a solution. Um, I think in five years' time, industries will have settled around the consensus on the best way to um, address those particular topics, um, and it will be. I, I don't think they will be very different to the to to what we have now, but I think they will be different, and we will we'll see some. We'll see innovation within the within the early career space being driven to some extent by those particular topics because that's where innovation is needed. Um, and we'll see much clearer thinking of the effects of hybrid working on things like geographic mobility and and also things like office use. I mean, the the question of hybrid working is now bound up with bound up in um, people using physically using space, and that will and how that affects urban and local landscapes. We know a lot of businesses are divesting themselves of office space and office office portfolio, and what that will what effect that will have. And, and, and in five years' time, we'll, we'll have a clearer view. We'll start to have a clearer view of some of the implications, longer-term implications of, of the effects of the pandemic. Because, you know, the pandemic itself might be effectively over in terms of its, of its large, large-scale effect on individuals. Um, now we've got a vaccine and, and, and things are more under control. But the long-term effects of the things that we did um, will play out over the long term. Um, and things will happen. There will be unforeseen events and consequences that we've we've still to chart. Um, and it will be interesting to see how we deal with them. But the one lesson we've learned from COVID, I think, um, as hirers and as businesses, we can and will cope with it.
0: Absolutely. Charlie, thank you very much for talking to me.
1: A pleasure, Matt. Thank you very much.
0: My thanks to Charlie. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at RecruitingFuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show thanks very much for listening i'll be back next time and i hope you'll join me this is my
1: show